0: Welcome back to the Shred Takes podcast show. I'm Mike Shredder. Glad you guys can join the podcast again today. I'm honored and really excited to have and on in a few minutes Sean Dubé from Amherst Men's Soccer. He was on my podcast last week when we talked about different things within soccer to the different European leagues and all that kind of stuff. But today we're going to talk about the matchup between Liverpool and Arsenal this weekend, what it means and how Arsenal can overcome their struggles and their inconsistent play to get into that top seven of the Premier League table, as well as talking about the World Cup qualifying games. And I think the big one to talk about is the fact that Germany lost to North Macedonia two to one. First time Germany's lost a World Cup qualifying game in over twenty years. It, it was a major upset. So we're gonna break all that stuff down, talk about what this stuff all means, and talk also about. Some other stuff like Sergio Ramos from Spain, his injury, what what impact is that going to leave for Spain going forward as they try to progress into the 2022 World Cup? And it's going to be really interesting to talk about all that kind of stuff because soccer is a very international game um, and it's going to be really exciting to break that down. So he will be on in a few minutes to discuss that stuff with us and looking forward to having him on. When we come back, we will be discussing that stuff and looking forward to it. Welcome back. So once again, uh, for the second straight week in a row, I got Sean Dubé back on the show, and uh, we're going to talk about some Premier League soccer again because there's been it's a huge game for Arsenal this week, and they play Liverpool, as well as talking about World Club sorry World Cup qualifiers um, as well. So Sean, thanks for coming back onto the show again. Glad to have you back on.
1: Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and uh, you're starting to become the soccer expert now, so <laughs> I'm excited for this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think just learning from you guys has helped me out a lot, but let's talk about it. So Arsenal and Liverpool, right? Arsenal seventh right now in the premier league table, Arsenal's nine. Uh, Liverpool has a 13, seven record Arsenal, 12 and six. The point systems are both at 29 for them. So again, this is a huge game for both teams, but especially since you're an Arsenal fan, it's a big chance for you guys to get some consistent play, right? You guys lost your last game mm-hmm. chance for you guys to kind of get over that hump and get into the, that, that top seven spirit a little bit. Um, let's talk about that game, right? Let's talk about um, a few things I wanted to bring up was just that the fact that Liverpool is ravaged by injuries. Talk about how you guys can take advantage of that as well as what are your keys for Arsenal coming out with the victory against Liverpool?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I just want to, so real quick, so Arsenal are ninth, Liverpool are seventh and Liverpool have 46 points and Arsenal have 42. So Arsenal four points off and like, I guess based on like, the season we've had like yeah this is a terrible position but to be 4 points off liverpool i mean who are the champions is i don't I don't even know if that's like i can say like that's good but um honestly both teams like liverpool and arsenal have been pretty poor this season um and yeah in terms of like injuries liverpool have suffered so much uh the i guess their biggest one Virgil van Dijk like he holds down the defense And they haven't won a home game in the Premier League for a while so it'll be interesting to like I think we'll be able to exploit like the center back situation because they're playing some pretty young inexperienced players there so hopefully like Aubameyang or Lacazette or Bukayo Saka if he's fit can um can help us
0: exploit you know their their uh their injury problems Talk about the style that Arsenal needs to uh, deploy in order to be successful. Because, like, look, I've talked to Sh- uh, Shan, I've talked to Bernie and you about the different styles certain teams play in the Premier League, right? There's been teams that have played much more of a defensive style, right, more more conservative in kind of their approach. Um, but I'm thinking, since again, since the center backs are very young for Liverpool, I think that Arsenal has to, number one, you know, limit their turnovers and, and be clean with the possession of the, the ball, but I also think the fact is they got to uh, they got to just attack those guys all game and be aggressive, because, mm-hmm. again, when you're going against younger players, they're inexperienced. You got to take advantage of those opportunities. Wondering kind of what you think, what style they need to deploy in order to be successful against Liverpool based on what you've watched.
1: Yeah, well, I think that Liverpool will definitely try and keep the ball a lot. Um, I think they'll have more possession on the day. And so Arsenal have to be really good. You know, we'll, Arsenal will probably sit back um, a little bit and just kind of soak it, uh, soak in the pressure and then, you know, look to break and take advantage of that. But I also think that Arsenal need to play a little bit more, like, like uh, I guess, play a little bit more direct, a little bit more forward, a little more aggressive. Otherwise, like, we won't really, like, get close to goal. Um, so, yeah, if our, I, I know that's one thing Arsenal's been focusing on like this, like second half of the season is being a better attacking team, and with the new signing or I guess our new loan, uh, Martin Odegaard should be really good because he's a very creative player, very good on the ball, and he's been very good for us going forward. So hopefully he can link up with, like the likes of Obamiang or Lacazette, whoever plays, and hopefully we can, you know, create a lot of chances, and that's really our way to uh to win to win this game is to be able to. You know, sit back sometimes, soak in the pressure, you know, not concede any goals. And then, you know, counter and sometimes be a little bit more aggressive and 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 really try to get some goals.
0: So I was thinking, too, also, what about Liverpool concerns you going into the game? I feel like for every game, there's certain things about teams that have to be somewhat concerning. I understand Liverpool hasn't had a bunch of injuries, but they still stay top seven, which means they still haven't a good amount of talent to still be competitive, right? So talk a little bit about what, about what concerns you going into the game and um, just talk about that, I guess, a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely Liverpool's forwards. Uh, Sadio Mane is still one of the best players in the Premier League, and he can turn it on whenever he wants. You know, he's so fast, so powerful. Um, Arsenal should definitely be worried about Mane. Uh, Mo Salah, who I believe is the leading goal scorer in the Premier League, so just basically stopping him from getting chances on goal uh, will help us. Um, and Roberto Firmino, even though he hasn't been in great goal scoring form this season, he's really good away from home. And um, like, this will be, you know, a game for him. He, like he's scored quite a, a few goals against Arsenal. So um, those re- three players for me, Firmino, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah are the the three players that Arsenal should be concerned about.
0: Gotcha. And uh, let's shift over to the World Cup qualifiers, right? So I, I think that the big headline for me from the World Cup qualifiers is obviously the North Macedonia upset over Germany, right? They beat them two to one. Germany, obviously, as we've talked before we got on air, um, has not been quite the same team as they have been in the past where they've usually been at least a top five team in world cup situations, even, you know, getting into the championship game of world cups in the past. Right. But I think it's just especially interesting because Germany hasn't lost a world cup qualifying game in 20 years and losing to North Macedonia is definitely an absolute shocker. Talk mm-hmm. about, look, look, but let's, let's break it down from a few angles. Right. But I think the first one is, you know, what, what made North Macedonia so successful in that game um, and allowing them to pull off this major upset?
1: Yeah, well, they were very, very good defensively and they limited the chances that Germany had. They made it really hard for them to break them down. I feel like this North Macedonia team is more of a unit than or like a, like more of a team than Germany. Um, like I imagine a lot of these Macedonia players, have, you know, they, they aren't playing in Europe, they aren't playing on the big teams. You know, a lot of these guys I feel will have played together for a while and or, either, or they all play in Macedonia or, you know, they all play in the same league. With this German team, they're kind of all spread out, you know, throughout Germany, throughout Europe. And, um, you know, it, it it's really hard to build build that team. You know, you only have a week a week or two to, to get ready for these games. So uh, I think North Macedonia would definitely well-prepared. Um, they're a unit. They're very good defensively. And they took their chances when they when they had them. And the, uh, Germany, I mean, they've just been really poor. Honestly, since the um, since their game in the UEFA Nations League against Spain, they lost 6-0. And it looks like they haven't really like responded since then. And um, yeah, it's just a shame because they have such quality players. They have like Timo Werner up top, one of the fastest strikers in in Europe right now, and you know, he's missing open open goals and or you know really easy chances, and that's you don't like if our if I'm the Germany head coach, you know, I, I need Timo Werner scoring. Like, he's supposed to be one of the best strikers out there, and you got like Leroy Sané, the Byron stud, you know, like what, what like what happened? Like where was he? You know, Serge Gnabry also Byron. and. This, this Germany team is just like really, really good, but as a group, you know, it, it's not clicking and North Macedonia just took advantage of that and they got the win and congrats to them.
0: So before I get into my second question or point, you brought up something that I think is interesting to talk about. The fact of you were saying the North Macedonia guys are more collectively in sync, right? Because they're not playing on all these different teams around Europe. Do you think while European, the different leagues in soccer are fantastic because you get a chance to see a lot of great quality players compete, do you think that also hurts the national teams that these top players play for? Because since they're not having a chance to play with each other as often, Not I'm not saying in every case, but in certain cases, right? Germany's an example, right? But do you think that also hurts? Like, I think it hurts the USA to be to be frank because a lot of these guys are playing for different teams and not building that chemistry, right? At least the way I know like Clint Dempsey and Tim Howard, you know, played um, in certain, you know, in, in different situations in the past. Right. So talk a little bit about, do you think that does have an effect on uh, these national teams and could contribute to them not performing at their highest when they have to?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think the honestly, the United States is an example of that the last world cup, they didn't qualify and, you know, they had players around in like Germany uh in in your or in england um and then they tried to you know to they tried to work as a team and it didn't quite work out um but then you have teams like spain where you, or i guess spain's not really a great example they have uh because spain's also another team that has players playing all around europe but i feel like with spain you know there's just there's like a dna like once you you know, you, you you're coming into a system where you're gonna be passing a lot and a lot of a lot of teams in Europe are, you know, about that. So I I guess the Spain's like a Spain's national team's philosophy on like style of play I guess will suit, you know, players coming in from various clubs in Europe. But with the United States I'm not quite sure what their like you know, what their like preferred style of play is and you know, it didn't quite work out for them. Uh, the last World Cup, but this World Cup, even though they have players playing all around Europe, you know, they have really good young players uh, who can really make a difference. And, you know, if they if they can work as a, a unit together and, and win games, we'll see the United States in the World Cup. And yeah, they have a really good team. And I wouldn't be surprised if if
0: they go further than, you know, most people expected. Getting back to North Macedonia for a second, look, what do you think their ceiling is? I mean, like, for example, when I when I look at this, right, people are gonna look at this and say, Oh, this was a very lucky upset that they had, right? That they had a they had a good game plan that worked, but they're not really a legitimate team. Mm-hmm. But I think that their game plan can work. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I like to use it, you know, you know, to comparison to different sports, right? UCLA is a team that you know, used a game plan to upset a lot of teams to get to the Final Four, right? So talk a little bit about do you, if you think North Macedonia is legit or do you think that their scheme just happened to work on this specific day and beat Germany?
1: I mean, I think they're. I, I it, it's kind of hard to, to uh, say whether or not they're legit. I mean, right now they're second place in their group. And, you know, after three games, that's a really good position. Uh, for the for these World Cup qualifiers. So, if they keep doing what they were doing, you know, get more results like they did against Germany, and I'm looking at the other teams in their group like Romania, Iceland, Liechtenstein. Like, you know, those are games that you know they can win. So, um, I think if I were if I were North Macedonia or the head coach in North Macedonia, I'd, I'd be telling my team like, yo. Like we can be serious, you know, we, we played well against Germany. We got the dub, you know, we can, we gotta just do the same thing against all these other, uh, countries, Romania, Iceland, Liechtenstein, Armenia, and North Macedonia could be in in the world cup. Yeah.
0: Let's, uh, let's shift over to Spain, right? Sergio Ramos, their captain, uh, went down with an injury recently um and obviously look right Spain's a very talented team right like you said they have a style that can incorporate different players in very effectively they've been one of the top teams in the world for as long as I can remember Mm -hmm. um and but let's talk about Sergio Ramos's injury the impact that's going to have on their team because I think they still have a talented players they can go out and play but I think having a captain that leadership perspective it always helps right and I, I think that it's going to affect them, um, but I think they do have the talent at least to overcome them, and at least I think they have a good coach at least to figure it out. But it definitely is a big loss in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, losing Sergio Ramos is always a big loss, and I kind of feel for Real Madrid because they play Liverpool next week, um, and that's a big game like this first leg of the, uh, of the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So Real Madrid are definitely going to miss him. Um, I don't think there'll be an international break for a while. So, um, Ramos has quite a bit of time to recover. Um, but honestly, like, like losing Ramos is, is like, it's like uh, Liverpool losing Virgil van Dyke. you know, he's, he's their guy, he's their captain. He's their leader. He's been there like all his, all his life. Um, so yeah, we'll see how Real Madrid do, um, against Liverpool this Wednesday, uh. But yeah, losing Sergio Ramos is definitely uh, definitely, uh, definitely not great for Real Madrid.
0: Yeah, for sure. But the one thing, before I break down the last question I have from the World Cup qualifiers, I was thinking of something while we were talking. Um, you know, the USA men's team has not been as successful in the soccer realm as the women's team has, right? Mm-hmm. The women's team has been one of the top teams in the world and won a couple of World Cups, at least from my, my lifetime at least from a soccer perspective, can you explain, you know, what the women's team does that the men's team maybe can learn from um, in order for them to be successful? Because the women's team seems to have figured out how to be successful in the soccer realm. Mm -hmm. And it's really awesome to see, because, you know, as as a USA fan, you can, you know, watch them compete for world cup championships, but the men's team seems to always fall short. So talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about at least maybe from a style perspective and maybe just from, you know, talent wise, why they've been so successful um in the world cup realm
1: yeah well i i think one of the reasons why this us uh women's national team has been so good is cuz they've kept their group their core group for quite a while um and you know they <laughs> sorry uh yeah they they've kept their core group for quite a while and that's really big one you know, going into these World Cups and these big international competitions. Um, Also, just the quality of the players are just way better than most other countries. I think, yeah, the US national team definitely has one of the best rosters um, out of all the other countries. And compared to the men's national team, you know, the US men's national team, they have like players in Europe, but you know, they're not like top players. But if you look at the women's national team, like you got Alex Morgan, you know you got Rapino, like those are those are top players ever all the all the ladies on the women's national team are top players but i wouldn't be able to say the same about the u.s men's national team
0: yeah i think it's always interesting to just to differentiate that because yeah the, the women's team has just been so successful for so long and I, I think it's it's primarily due to the fact that these players are so good. It may go down to the prop, the development that they're playing in, the certain, you know, exposure they're getting. But, I mean, I know, I know both squads are being able to play for different kind of development teams as they go on. But, you know, it just worked out the way that the women's team is just very, very talented. And, um, you know, it's going to be exciting, obviously, in 2022 to see them try to compete again uh, for a World Cup championship. But let's go back to Europe and the World Cup qualifiers. What are some, so look, we, we know obviously the obvious teams, right? Spain, the Netherlands, right? Have been teams that have been very good for very long. Talk about some other teams that people maybe are not paying attention to and saying, okay, these teams can be very successful in the world cup realm. Um, if they happen to qualify.
1: Yeah. Um, right off the bat, I'm thinking about Turkey. They had an amazing weekend. Um, they uh sorry they uh they beat netherlands 4-2 um their center forward Burk almost had a hat trick and you know he's a very experienced striker and like netherlands are like really really good national team and you know turkey just ran ran them over 4-2 so that that was a huge result for turkey they also beat norway 3-0 um and then they tied latvia 3-3 but if there is a team i'd watch out for it It'd be turkey because you know they just had a great run of results and you know they're in 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 they're like leading the group that i i wouldn't be surprised if they you know if they have a a good run in the world cup uh they have a very good unit and uh it, it'll be exciting to see how they do
0: let's shift over to you know look i haven't been following as much in south america about the teams maybe you have um Mm -hmm. talk about so look i obviously know argentina uruguay and brazil have been very good for very long maybe maybe not as much recently in certain areas but at least i knew growing growing up right when i watched the 2012 world cup um those three teams were very talented and very good um back in the days what kaka was fantastic with brazil right so talk a little bit about um what teams from south america you're looking at and saying okay Um, these teams can challenge for a world cup championship or even just sleepers uh, to make a run in the world cup. Um, I know Mm -hmm. it's early obviously, but, you know, I think it's always cool to have these discussions.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And no, I think you already listed the T or at least listed two of them that I was going to say, Brazil and Argentina, you know, those two T or those two countries have some of the best players throughout the world and they always, you know, do well in the world cup um so yeah uh, brazil is definitely going to be strong you know they'll have Neymar they'll have Coutinho they'll have Firmino they'll have so many other players um and if they can play well together and get results you know you know I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the the quarterfinals, semi-finals same with Argentina they have some of the best attacking talent in the world you know they got Messi they got Aguero you know it honestly just go down the list of you know, the great attacking players they have. And, you know, that's, uh, uh, I think that is one of the biggest reasons or biggest reasons why Argentina, you know, could, you know, end up in the final. Um, but then again, you know, you got to compare them to teams like France, you know, England, they have a lot of depth. Um, you know, France coming off the last World Cup with a very very strong team still they're not really losing any p- players so it'll be tough for those for these uh south american teams um but yeah i would i would uh you know i would say that brazil and argentina are, are the two teams that you know can go far from the south america group
0: glad we're in agreement there um yeah. <laughs> let's uh so shifting over just to Amherst soccer right talk a little bit about how the how the practices have been Um, a little bit of just kind of experience how it feels to be back on the soccer field you know playing with your friends and all that kind of stuff obviously in a controlled safe environment but Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that kind of experience because it's been a tough year for everyone in so many different ways so it's it's good obviously to hear that you're back um, competing not competing in a certain games but practicing with the guys and having some interaction with uh coach uh coach sapone so Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that um whole experience for you so far
1: yeah, no, we this we had our first week of practice this week and it was great to get back on the field, you know, be on the ball, you know, be able to pass and like do things without, you know, having to worry about a lot of rules like um it was we you know, we still have to wear masks when we play, we still have to be social distance, uh no contact, but uh Honestly just to be out there you know with the small numbers that we had and to see coach Supone and coach Travis again is awesome and you know the reason why one of the biggest reasons why I came to Amherst is cuz it's soccer and I'm just very happy that you know I'm training again and we're just trying to prepare for the next season and hopefully we can go really far and um and yeah have have a good season
0: well, I know for a fact, I'm very excited to be able to watch you guys. Hopefully again, in the fall, um, hopefully be able to broadcast those games, um, and everything like that. But Sean, look, I, I, i obviously always, uh, happy to have you on the podcast. I think it's always great to, you know, chop up some, uh, premier league soccer, some just like regular international soccer. Um, I think it was cool to talk about the, uh, the differences between the men's and women's team from the USA, because there's many big vastly differences between the teams in talent and in success. Um, uh, but glad to hear everything's good on your ends and thank you again for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, you know, when, uh, when it gets a little bit crazy in the champions league and stuff, uh, definitely uh, uh, come back on the podcast and uh, we'll talk about it again.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mike, thanks for having me again. I mean, I love coming on, love talking soccer with you and yeah, champions league will be next week and, you know, be very exciting to see the games and uh, yeah, let's, let's discuss it later. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, everyone, that is uh, Sean Dubé from Amherst Men's Soccer. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, my friend. Have a good one.
1: Thank you, Mike. Thanks, everyone.